12.04, last show of March, buddy, and then we're in April. Woo-hoo, yeah, spring thank is God, here. Thank God, absolutely. We're, we're looking at uh, maybe 13 by Thursday, so looking forward to that. Well, let's uh, hope. Let's pray. Let's hope and pray. Savan at insurancelawyer.ca. That is the email, 416-216-5910. And you have questions, help at theinsurancelawyer.ca. As we get into the show, we always start with uh, the week that was. you got a couple cases to tell us about, yeah? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. I have uh, an interesting case. This is a lady who called me uh, who has been on the long-term disability for quite a few years. And uh, she called me, she she heard the show, and uh, the reason she called is not because she was getting cut off, but because the insurance company approached her, actually uh, called her and then sent her a letter saying, uh, you know, you've been on disability for a while, we're not cutting you off, you have another 13 years or so to go, Uh, would you like to try and perhaps resolve your claim now for future benefits? Lump sum payment? Lump sum, exactly. Uh Now, of course, they weren't proposing that they would pay the entire 13 years worth of benefits. I mean, why would they do that? They They might as well continue paying. Earn interest on their money. Exactly, right. So what they were offering her uh, was a five years worth of long-term disability uh, payments. So less than half. Less than half, Mm -hmm. exactly. And so, of course, she called me. And by the way, the interesting thing is that insurance companies sometimes do that and in fact, not only do they do that, but they tell you, go get legal advice. We will pay for an hour or two hours worth of that advice. They want to cover their basis. They want to make sure that if, in fact, you agree to that lump sum settlement, that, uh, you know, there's a lawyer that sort of signed off on it or that, you know, they can say, listen, That's we even Yeah, very interesting. And it's, it makes complete sense. Yeah. Uh, and so in any event, so I spoke with her. I, re- I reviewed the document, explained everything. And, you know, at the end of the day, I, my advice to her was, was this. Uh, you know, it, it comes down to whether or not you think that you will be able to, at some point, go back to work. And, and her, the nature of her disability was more psychological. She experienced severe trauma, mm-hmm. uh, which, which she hasn't healed from. And so the likelihood of her being able to go back to work uh, at any point in the next 13 years is very small. So the overall analysis was, uh, you know, the, 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 the pro, so to speak, for accepting the lump sum is that you never have to deal with the insurance company again. Because remember, John, every year or every so often, they're entitled to uh, uh, follow medical up with documentation, you, medical documentation, follow-ups. You got yeah. it, exactly. Perhaps even ask you to see one of their doctors. Yeah. That creates a lot of stress, naturally. Uh, and so the pro here of, of settling for a lump sum is that you know, you're finalizing free it. Free and you're clear. Free and clear. Yeah. And you're getting that money. It's, it's a huge uh, you know, chunk of change. And you put it in the bank account. Don't have to worry about it. The con, obviously, is that if she's getting paid five years worth of this income, uh, then and she really is not back to work uh, within that period of time or shortly after, what does she do she's then? She's high and dry at that point, right? Exactly. Yeah, so okay. there's a lot of pros and cons, and each case is very, very unique, which is why I tell people that uh, you know, when, when you're thinking about how to deal with your long-term disability claim, if, you've, if you're offered a lump sum or if you're cut off at any point, you have to make sure that you consult a lawyer that oh, deals yeah. with this so that they can explain to you how to proceed. So this is one of those instances where the insurance company hasn't done anything wrong here. They've simply uh, uh, proposed something to this individual, and this individual now needs that legal advice to be able to understand fully what the consequences are of accepting or not accepting that proposal. That t- I mean, I mean, the 13-year term seems so long that I'm surprised they would give it, how do I say this, how they would know they would go 13 years that far in the future as opposed to just keep doing it and doing it and doing it and eventually. 
eventually right. they would cut her off. How did they come to a 13-year term with her? Oh, no. The, 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 the reason was because uh, in 13 years, she, she would turn 65. Oh, I see. Okay. Yeah, so, so the it's policy an age went, thing. It's an age okay. thing. Yeah, it went until till 65. And by the way, not every policy goes to age 65. Again, right. very, very dependent on, on the policy that we're dealing with. Okay, give us the uh, second one. Okay, so the second one was actually very interesting. It wasn't someone uh, who had an injury or disability that called me, believe it or not. It was a... a um, uh, the owner of a rehab clinic in Toronto. Okay. And the reason why that person called me is because he listened to the show a few times, heard me talk, and, and called and said, you know, Sivan, I- I've been working with various lawyers. I've been treating, you know, their clients uh, who are my patients. Uh, we-, we give them chiropractic care, yes. massage care, all that kind of stuff. And, and here's what happens. At some point, the insurance company, and this usually deals with um, uh, motor vehicle cases, uh, so car accidents, the insurance company stops paying or they're cutting the persons off from rehab. Okay, they're saying we're not going to pay anymore. And at that point, what happens is that some clinics uh, will speak with the lawyer who's representing the injured individual, as well as with the individual, and and, and they'll ask them, listen, we understand you have a case that's ongoing. Would you like us to continue offering treatments and wait to get paid until the case is done? And what happens is that many lawyers, of course, say, yeah, yeah, of course, go ahead and do that. And so you have this huge balance that is accruing. For sure. Right? A thousand bucks, two thousand, three thousand. I mean, I've seen some accounts that go into the ten, twenty, thirty thousand dollars. Really? I won't. And and you know, the problem is that when it comes time for settlement, a lot of these clinic owners or these clinics uh, all over the place, they they get stiffed. They they're in a situation where they find out after the fact that the case was settled and they have no idea what to do. They contact the lawyer who says, I'm sorry, you know, my my uh, I've done everything I was supposed to. I, I don't have any obligation to protect your account. Uh, speak with my client, who, of course, the client now has all the money. And, and so he was asking me for advice on how to deal with these situations. Yeah, for sure. And, and this, is, this is actually a common problem uh, that a lot of clinics find themselves in. And so my advice to, to clinics, to clinic owners, to managers, is to make sure that you always, always get instructions in writing from the patient, the client, that... That individual knows that when the case settles, that the clinic is going to be protected, that their account is going to be paid. For sure. you got to get your money. You do. Got to operate. We'll Absolutely. take a, a short break. You have questions, 416-870-6400, star 640 on sale. Savannah's number as well, anytime outside of show hours, 416-216-5910, and help at theinsurancelawyer.ca. More of the Insurance and Injury Law Show coming right up on Talk Radio AM 640. Yeah, Savannah also has his own number anytime, 416-216-5910. You can leave a message and uh, get a hold of him that way, or help at theinsurancelawyer.ca online. Let's go back to that case you were talking about with uh, the clinics and outstanding right. balance. And, and being sued and money's owed and all that stuff. Well, exactly. Okay, so uh, so like we were talking about before the break, this this individual called me this week who's a clinic owner in the GTA, uh, and, and he called me because a lot of uh, cases that he's been working on treating people, uh, you know, at, 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 at the conclusion of the cases, those clinics were not getting paid their outstanding accounts, so the tabs that they were, that they were accruing for various uh, patients. And, and so my advice is to that individual as well as to clinic owner owners and managers, is to always make sure that you communicate uh, with the lawyer in writing uh, through email or, or through a letter or through fax, confirming with the lawyer that the lawyer will undertake to protect their account. Now, here's the advice for people who are actually injured themselves and are getting these treatments. When the clinic tells you that your insurance company stopped paying for the treatments and they're okay. asking you if you'd like them to continue treating you, understand that you are opening a tab. Understand that when your case actually resolves, 
or even if it doesn't resolve, by the way, you owe that money to the clinic. It's very important that you have this transparent discussion with your lawyer as well as with the clinic itself and that there's something in writing that everyone understands uh, who has an obligation for what. And so in a situation where you're settling the case at the end of the day, so for example, in my cases, John, when we go to uh, mediation as an example and we're about to settle, uh, my staff usually contacts all the clinics that have treated my client to make sure that we know exactly what all the outstanding accounts are. And we communicate with the clinics directly in that regard and telling them, you know, we have this mediation coming up. And of course, then when I speak with the client, I explain to the client, you know, you have all these outstanding accounts. We're about to potentially resolve your case. Uh, one of two things can happen if we resolve your case. Either you let me uh, take money from the settlement funds and actually pay those clinics who have treated idea. you. Smart idea. Yeah. Or I tell, I tell the client, or you can do it yourself, but understand that if you don't pay them when it settles, the clinic you. can come after you. Yep. Exactly. And that's what's ha- been, been, been happening, unfortunately, many times when, when injured individuals have this uh, settlement that comes to them for their pain and suffering, income loss, all that kind of stuff. And then they're contacted by the clinic, and the clinic says, hey, listen, you owe us $5,000, $7,000 for all these treatments we provided you in the last year or two. Hello. And then the client calls the lawyer and says, what's going on here? Why suddenly am I getting these calls? And the lawyer says, well, that's your problem. So, again, very, very important that if you're if you getting treatments uh, and your insurance company had cut you off, that you are very clear with your lawyer, with the clinic. Everyone knows exactly what's going on. Everyone understands that there is a tab that's open. The clinic should be protected. Of course, we're talking about, you know, legitimate clinics. I've had situations where people end up getting bills for $10,000, and really they've been in the clinic twice. So very, very <laughs> important. This is, this is huge. But again, to clinics out there, clinic owners, yeah. managers, if you have questions, you know, call me. There's certain ways, certain things we can put in place to certainly protect your accounts in these situations. 416-870-6400, star 640 on sale. You want to give us a call about that or any other topic under that umbrella? We'll talk about, uh, how about this? Some questions about the claims process for car accidents. For instance, um, explain the basics of a claim for injuries from a car accident because we're just coming off that season where there's a lot of wrecks in driveways and auto shops, right? Absolutely, yeah. Uh, this, is, uh, this is interesting because the, the basics of how a car accident claim uh, works uh, or goes about is something that many lawyers and paralegals don't go through with their clients in the first meeting or, or at any point, really. So let's go through that. In Ontario, we have a, a, um, a, a fault system and a no-fault system. So let's assume for a second, John, that we're in a car accident, you and I. Uh, I'm in one car, you're in the other. Uh, I hit you from the back. Well, if you're injured, you're entitled to benefits from your own insurance company. And those benefits include income replacement if you can't work. Okay. Uh, they include uh, attendant care if you need help at home with certain things. If you weren't working, you may qualify for a benefit that's called non-earner benefits. There's a variety of benefits that you are owed from your insurance company, irrespective of whether or not you're at fault. So if I hit you from the back and I myself uh, was injured as well, so I was at fault for the collision... I'm also entitled for those benefits from my insurance company. Okay, so that's the no-fault system. Okay. You're entitled to those. And, of course, we can get into a bit later about uh, the different grades of of, uh, no-fault benefits that you can get depending on the injury you sustained. But there's also the other component, and usually that's the larger component of the claim. What I get from your insurance company. You got it. If the injury is serious, by by serious I mean that it affects your ability to earn income, Mm -hmm. it disrupts uh, your life in a significant way. Gotcha. That's called a tort claim. That means that you are now going after me in order to access my insurance company. And my insurance company, of course, assuming that I'm at fault, is going to be negotiating with you or your lawyer for compensation for your injuries and for your losses. So we have that dual system here. 
And the idea is that with this dual system, with the no fault through your insurance company and the fault side through the other tort guys, insur- you, the tort system, exactly, that you're supposed to be made whole from a monetary standpoint. Of course, there's issues with the concept itself because each side is trying to pay you as least as possible. But the idea is that you have those two components. And you can go after it, – it, it's completely – and your you're insurance company, you're completely well within your rights. And it, it, it's cool. It's groovy to go to your own insurance and say, I need this right away. Oh, absolutely. It, it's, it's not only uh, uh, within your right, but if you're making claim against the other guy's uh, insurance company – the first question they're going to ask you is, are you getting benefits from your own insurance company? Now, I've had cases, by the way, John, with people. Remember, sometimes people want to do their own thing. Uh, They want to, uh, to, uh, you know, manage their own claims, and they won't actually access the benefits from their own insurance company. And then a year passes or so, and of course, when they finally get a lawyer or they contact me as an example, and I find that out, I have to tell them, listen, you know, we're going to have to see if we can access those benefits, even though you miss some limitation periods with Be- your insurance company. Well, they're going to assume the rates are going to go up. That's why they're not going to do it, right? Right, exactly. Don't want to. But, but that's the reason you have insurance in the first place. <laughs> I mean, you know, if, if, if your car is a write-off and, and you need a car, what are you going to do? You're not going to go to your insurance company. That's why you pay insurance. Exactly. We'll take a short break. Got some calls coming through. Give us one, 416-870-6400, star 640 on cell. Thank, that was a, thank you for clearing that up because I, I, I never understood the whole fault, no fault thing. So that was a good broad stroke. We'll get to more of those uh, questions and yours as well. Savan, S-I-V-A-N, at theinsurancelawyer.ca for email or help at theinsurancelawyer.ca. And Savan's number anytime, 416-216-5910. This is the Insurance and Injury Law Show right here on the Talk Radio, AM 640. 1222 on an amazing Sunday. Now, it wasn't amazing as QB yesterday, but no, that's a different story, my friend. Talk <laughs> Thanks, about John. Later. I'm actually darker than you for the first time ever. Y- Yes, you are. Look, son. Very nice. It's pretty brown for an Irish boy. Well, uh, get to some phone calls, 416-870-6400, star 640 on sale. You have questions, car accidents, injuries. We are here. Well, at least Savan is here to answer them. Got uh, Susan on the line. Hello, Susan. Good afternoon. Hi. How are you? I am excellent. How are you? You have a question for Savan. Go ahead. Yeah. Um, I have a couple of questions, if you don't mind. Sure. <clears throat> I had an accident a couple years ago, mm-hmm. and um, it, was, it was fairly serious, Um I spent a whole year where I couldn't think of hardly anything. I was just like a child, and I kept leaking a lot of fluid from my ears. And um, anyways, my lawyer just informed me last week that he missed the um, statutory threshold of filing my claim because my claim got lost in his office. Oh, boy. And so he gave me a letter saying that he could sue his firm. Mm-hmm. He said he's. It, this is sort of. Um, he's just waiting to see if they're going to accept his letter that it was accidentally lost and that he made up something about. I don't know. Well, Can't okay. remember. But anyways, have you had any experience with anything like that? Yes, uh, I have, and it's um, clearly not your fault. Uh, these things do happen. Uh, and and when when they do happen, lawyers like uh, like every other professional carries professional insurance. Right, he told me that. Right, and the reason why he gave you that letter is because uh, he probably contacted uh, his insurance company. We yeah, all have I the did. same. Okay, and y- you do uh, have a potential claim against him now. Uh, keep in mind that the two-year limitation period that we always talk about, even though that's that's something that we're, we're always mindful of. Uh, it doesn't necessarily mean that you can start a claim now against whoever was at fault for the accident and get beyond the mislimitation period. Uh, and the reason I say that is because uh, the um, 
the government, when they drafted the law about, uh, about the limitation, it's called the Limitations Act, uh, in 2004, they put in there something, uh, a, a, um, a saving grace provision uh, that's effectively called a discoverability provision. And, and what that means is that if, if it's possible to argue uh, that you could not have possibly known of the extent of your injuries or the accident, I mean, clearly you knew when the accident happened. But if you can argue that perhaps uh, the the extent of the injury was not discovered until later on, until I don't know months later or, or well, no, whatever, still haven't diagnosed okay. me. Okay, well then you know what? There's a possibility here. That's what he was saying. So right. he said, I don't know if you should get a lawyer now or later. He says the insurance company will probably fight it and say try and throw it out. Right. So maybe you should get a lawyer now. But he was so vague about it that I don't right. know whether to get a lawyer or not get a lawyer. And I was wondering. Is there a lawyer that will take my case? Yeah, no. Another lawyer? No, Susan, you definitely need uh, you definitely need a lawyer, and, and you actually need a lawyer ASAP uh, because the claim has to start immediately. It has to start against whoever was at fault for the accident. At the same time, what's going to happen is that that lawyer is going to be communicating with your former lawyer now, and frankly, okay. with his insurance company. Either way, you're going to get compensated, but it has to be done very, very quickly. Okay, uh, so so if you'd like, uh, we we can we can stay in touch after the show. I can give you a call and, and we can talk in a bit more detail about what needs to be done. Uh, but you definitely have to get a lawyer. That's not even a question, especially if the injuries are as severe as you're describing them. Yes, it is. Um, but the problem is, is that I haven't really been diagnosed yet. Every time I went in an MRI machine. Right. Um, the problem wasn't there because it's not always there. Right. Do you know what I'm saying? Yep. No, absolutely. So I ran into some problems there. And when I did have it there and I went in the machine, I made a mistake. I wouldn't let them give me the gadolinium mm-hmm. because I was so sick. I didn't know what they were talking about. Right. So I missed that. I missed the boat in a couple of places, but I'm still leaking fluid out my ears. Mm. And they have diagnosed me as psychological, though. Right. And they have a strong psychological case against them. And I, it's not the truth, though. Right. Okay. Well, Susan, I can, I can tell you this. One of the things that we've spoken about before on the show as well is sending people to the right experts, uh, sending them to the right people who can, in fact, diagnose. And listen, I, I'm no stranger to having very difficult cases that are not diagnosable immediately or even in the, uh, within a year or two. Sometimes it takes time to figure what's going on. I mean, keep in mind, medicine is evolving. Uh, we don't have the answers for everything, and doctors are human, too. They do their best, which is why extremely, extremely important that you go see the correct experts. Exactly. And, 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 and that's what I told my lawyer. And right. He says, why, when we can sue for a lot of money right now with what you have, oh, all these okay. doctors <laughs> are saying the same thing. And yeah. I said, but it's not the truth, and you know it, and I know it. And he says, yeah, but that's where the money's at, so what do mm-hmm. you do about that? No, no, that's not how it's done. Uh, it, it's, it's not where the money's at. It's getting the right answers. It's, it's doing right. it ethically. It's doing it morally. Uh, you know, I was just at a, at a, a two-day conference uh, that is held every year for in, in, in Toronto for motor vehicle cases, and it, this was a topic of discussion, you know, the, the, the ethics of, of doing this kind of practice. And the reason why many lawyers like myself, uh, the personal injury uh, uh, lawyer bar uh, gets a bad rap uh, in the movies and, and society because of a lot of lawyers who say, well, let's just go after the money. No, we have to go after what the truth is. We have to make sure that you're diagnosed properly, you're getting the right treatment. Incidentally, uh, the right diagnosis is extremely important for you to get the right treatments. Obviously, right? I mean, in fact, yeah. how many times have we heard yeah. of people misdiagnosed and, and the treatments they're getting are not helping them because the diagnosis is incorrect? So, no, Susan, we can certainly talk after the show, and I can make sure to, uh, uh, you know, t- to get to get more details and, and 
guide you in the right direction at least, but you have to do something now because the fact that the limitation period was just missed, uh, at least that's what the lawyer is telling you, means that you really have to go on right now and do what you need to do to preserve whatever rights you have. Susan, we got your information, but just in case, as you know, I say it several times during the show, you should write this down, 416-216-5910. Again, 416 416- Two one six fifty nine ten. You get a hold of Savan directly, and uh, Savan S I V N at the uh, insurance lawyer dot We've got time for one more. We'll take a quickie. You got time for one more? Okay, Suzanne. Uh, there you go. We'll get to uh, Nick. Hello, Nick. Welcome to the show. Good morning, uh, Savan. Um, Hi, Nick. Automobile uh, accidents sometimes can be very overwhelming when you're in the moment, um, and you know, in retrospect, you get told you should have done this, should have done that, yep. should've, shouldn't have said this, shouldn't have said that. Uh, quickly, I guess. Do you have some uh, top ten five? Whatever amount of points that you should remember, maybe jot down, keep it in your car when you do get into an accident, what you should do and shouldn't do. Absolutely. Uh, so the number one thing is obviously if anyone is, uh, is injured, uh, whether it's you or someone else, uh, the, uh, the, the, the police have to be called. There's no question about that. Now, if no one is injured uh, then, and, and, and the damage seems uh, not that significant, you go to a collision center. Everyone knows that. Uh, always make sure that, uh, that you get yourself checked out. Because if you, if you don't get checked medically, I mean, I have a lot of cases with people who think that they're fine, but they're simply in shock. And it's only the next day like, that wow. they can't get out of bed. Yeah. It's just, it's really, really bad. So, you know, the number one advice is that if, if you're injured or, or you feel you're injured or even in shock, get yourself checked out. Walk-in clinic, hospital, family doctor, whatever. Uh, make sure that you get the information for the other driver, if there was another driver. And, and, you know, really make sure that you get medical attention, if not immediately, then the next day or the day after. So make sure that there is this trail of medical documentation uh, that, that is recording your, your complaints, whatever they are. That's, that's assuming that, you know, you may need to, to start a claim down the road. That's a, it seems insignificant at the time just to, to go to a walking clinic. But two years down the, the road, right. like I said, if you're in a situation like Nick or, or Susan, exactly. that could be huge. Right? Exactly. Exactly. We'll take a, a short break. Hang on the line, Kevin. We'll get to you. 416-870-6400. Star 640 on cell is the number. Savan at theinsurancelawyer.ca or help at theinsurancelawyer.ca for emails. And his direct number, 416-216-5910. The Insurance and Injury Law Show. Talk radio. AM 640. It sure is. It's uh, 1233 on your Sunday. 416-216-5910 is Savan's number. Help at theinsurancelawyer.ca. We just want to follow up with uh, Nick, our, our last phone call. To the, uh, the quickest things, the top five top 10 things right. in other words you should do when you're uh, in a collision right? right so i just want to go over them again so uh, if, if anybody's injured uh, you make sure you call the police and if the, if the damage to the vehicles is significant over a thousand bucks uh if it looks like it's not just you know a scratch uh you call the police or or you go to the uh, collision center if, if it's not that bad and no one is injured now if somebody is injured or if you think that uh you may be injured because you're just in shock make sure you get medical attention make sure you go to mm-hmm. a clinic walk in hospital, whatever. Uh, now, if, if you're jotting this down uh, and, and sort of you want the highlights, either than, uh, other than, than what I just said, uh, then you know, make sure you get the information for the other driver if there is one. Uh, take photos of the vehicles if there's any Smart. damage. Uh, if there are any witnesses, uh, just get some names, uh, especially in a situation where it's not clear who, who was at fault. Uh, witnesses can go a long way if you have, in fact, a claim for injuries. And make sure that uh, within seven days you call your insurance company uh, to report the claim. Okay, very, very important. So, so those are the top five or six things. Good stuff. 416-870-6400, star 640 on cell. Kevin, hello. Welcome yeah, to the show. How you doing? Hi, Kevin. Hi, Kevin. What's up? 
I was involved in a car accident, and um, I had a pre-existing condition. Right. And um, they take they took me out of the minor. I guess it's thirty some hundred dollars, and then they put me into the MIG, which is like fifty thousand. But the well ran dry, and um, I, I hear you talking about income replacement, and uh, I met all the requirements and everything, and um, they have not given me one cent for income replacement. And I'm just wondering, will I ever see that money, or am I SOL? Okay, so just just to recap, you you're in this car accident and you were injured. You had pre-existing conditions. You said that as a result of that, they took you outside of the MIG, which is the minor injury guideline. That's yeah, a ca- they, right. And then they put you in the fifty thousand. I guess it is. It, it's it's the next it's the next category. Yeah. So so they're basically agreeing that it's not a minor type of an injury and that you're not gonna get you're not gonna heal as as you should be because of a pre-existing issue. But so, my question yeah. is, if if they're recognizing this and realizing this, then how come they're not giving my income replacement. Like, if it wasn't for my wife, I'd probably live with my parents. Well, let me ask you a bit about that. Were you were you employed uh, before the the accident? I assume yes. you were. Okay. I, I was employed, and then, like I said, it was right. the shock thing. So, you know, a couple of days after, I went back to work, and then, you know, I went to see the doctor, and then I was getting all these symptoms and problems. Right. So it was like a snowball. Okay. And, and since the accident, have you been able to work? No. And you've applied for income replacement benefits and they haven't yeah. paid you even though even though you were earning income in the weeks, months, years before the accident? Yeah. Uh, did they give you a reason why they weren't paying? They said that I didn't meet their guidelines or their criteria. Okay. Uh, okay. Uh, do, do you have a, do you have a, is there somebody helping you, a paralegal or a lawyer yeah, or someone? No, I, I do. I do have somebody helping me. And what, what are they saying? Cause this is, a, it's very unusual what you're describing to me. Why, why, uh, have you, have you spoken with that person? Well, I've spoken to them and we're in the process now, but I just wondered Okay. as a second opinion, why it takes so long to get like income. It should not. It should not. You should be receiving it within a few weeks. You're not covered for the first seven days. The first week after a car accident, uh, under statute, under the law, you're not entitled to income replacement benefits. But after the seven days, you should be getting, and you should be getting, the max you can get is $400 a week. There's a formula they calculate that they basically look at uh, at your gross income, and it's 70% of your gross income, up to a maximum of 400 bucks a week, $1,600 or so a month. Uh, you should have been receiving that. And, you know, what, what more frequently the kind of question I get is, why am I being cut off if I'm not ready to go back to work? You're saying you never even received that benefit. No. Okay, something is very wrong. When was the accident? Uh, two years ago. Almost three years now. I, I don't understand what, what your legal rep is doing right now. I, 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 I'm, I'm actually shocked because you should have got... Actually, that's one of the most basic benefits that you should be able to get. That's now, like right away almost. Yeah. That's and, the first. And then, and then where I am at the case right now is the, the, ins- the lawyer's doctor sent me for a catastrophic assessment, right. which I was deemed catastrophic. And now then the insurance sent me to all their doctors. So now... Uh, any day now, I'm just waiting for their decision whether they agree or don't agree. So my question is, do you think then maybe I get my income replacement benefits, or should there be other questions I should be asking my legal rep? Kevin, you should have been received. It's nothing to do with the catastrophic assessments here. You should have. By the way, it's most likely that the insurer will come back and say you're not catastrophic, and it doesn't mean that you're not catastrophic. But that has nothing to do with the fact that you haven't received those benefits. I, I, it's very concerning to me to, to listen to you, to, to hear you say that, you know, you, you, are, you and your wife are in financial, difficult financial situation, and you haven't been receiving this basic benefit that every one of my clients that needs it gets it immediately after seven days. 
So, so something is, I mean, I'd like to get more details from you, maybe off air, because it's, it's obviously, uh, it's a huge issue. But no, this is, this is, this is what I'm talking about, John, yeah. that, that, you know, these kinds of benefits, especially no-fault benefits, this is a no-fault benefit. So I don't know if Kevin was at fault for the accident or he wasn't, but something really bad is going on. Something is, is maybe, maybe that person that's representing him missed something, you know, like the other lady, that like Susan that called. I, 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 that's very concerning to me that you haven't been able to work. And two years later, you haven't received this absolutely... The most basic entry most, level. Absolutely. Something yeah. is very wrong. So, so, Kevin, give me a call off here. Let me get more information uh, because I'm wondering if maybe something was missed here with the insurance company. Kevin, that number, 416-216-5910. Help at theinsurancelawyer.ca for email as well. More of the Insurance and Injury Law Show coming up on Talk Radio AM 640. Help at theinsurancelawyer.ca is email and 416-216-5910 to get hold of Savannah directly. I mean, this, this last call goes into my next question about uh, uh, car accident claims and collisions. Are there specific timelines for starting these claims? Yes, there are timelines. Wow. Uh, absolutely. And this is, uh, this is right on point given the calls we've had. Uh, so first of all, when, when you're in a car accident, make sure you contact your insurance company within seven days. Uh, you have an obligation to do that. It's in your policy. Uh, it doesn't mean that if you wait longer than that, that you're not going to get coverage, mm-hmm. but you just don't want to risk it. Okay, comply with the policy, call them within seven days. Uh, the accident benefits uh, claim, which is the no-fault claim, so this is the claim with your insurance company for whatever benefits we were just discussing, actually, income replacement, uh, treatments, all that kind of stuff, uh, that claim should be filed within 30 days. Again, not fatal necessarily if it's a bit beyond that, but again, don't take chances. I mean, if a case comes to my office, I'm dealing with the uh, uh, with with the client. I make sure I tell the client, "Don't worry, everything is under control. Uh, you know, we're going to get this uh, uh, done ASAP." Certainly within the thirty the the, the first thirty days, uh, although usually uh, well before the expiration of that timeline. Um, when we're dealing with tort claims, or or this is the claim uh, against the other insurer? against the other insurer. Okay. Yeah. So when you're dealing with let's say uh, uh, a multi car collision, or even if it's I- a single car collision. And you have a driver and a passenger, and the driver did something wrong, went to a, into a ditch, that whatever, uh, and the passenger is injured. The claim against whoever is responsible for your injuries, uh, the insurance company or, or the individual that was responsible should be placed on notice of a claim within 120 days of the accident. Okay. Uh, the, the timeline, and this is the crucial thing here, to start a personal injury claim in Ontario is two years. So I'm not talking about the notice, Okay. I'm notifying you, John, that you injured me uh, and, and in this car accident, uh, you know, two months ago. I have, you know, the 120 days to, to let you know. No, if, if, if I'm about to start an actual claim against you for pain and suffering, mm-hmm. uh, for, for the income I'm going to lose in the future, these kinds of things, I have two years to start. And we spoke, uh, you know, a few segments ago with, uh, with Susan uh, and that unfortunate situation she found herself in with a lawyer who actually just told her now uh, that he uh, missed the limitation period. It's not always fatal uh, to miss that two-year period, but you do not want to be uh, in that situation. No. I mean, it's an uphill battle to, uh, to, to do that claim if that happens. And, and you know, why, why take that risk? And I've seen that happen. I mean, I've had people call me after listening to the show here. Uh, you know, they have fantastic cases and from, from a legal standpoint. You know, they've been really injured, you know, broken bones, torn ligaments, sure. whatever. But guess what? The accident happened two and a half years ago, three years ago, four years ago. I'm going to look at the case. I'm going to try and do whatever I can to help them. Sometimes I I suggest, you know, perhaps we can start something. 
But it's very, very risky because the insurance company that's on the receiving end here is going to have a good argument to say, why didn't you start this within the two-year limitation period? So very important people to know, don't waste any time. And that, that goes to another point that we've talked about a while before, which is that some lawyers in some cases will tell their clients, you know, we're going to wait for about a year, a year and a half, see how you're doing. And at that point, we'll contemplate starting a claim who, okay. against whoever was at fault. Yep. And again, we talked about how I don't like those timelines because many times it's just an arbitrary timeline that they've imposed, uh, especially in cases where somebody hasn't been able to go back to work and the lawyer is just saying, oh, yeah, yeah, no, we'll just wait. We'll just wait. But here's the risk. The risk is that if you wait that time, maybe something happens uh, to that lawyer. Maybe something happens in that law office. Maybe something happens, you know, that's uncontrolled. And boom, suddenly two years have passed. And you find yourself in a situation where you can't start. You're high and dry. You're high and dry, exactly. Yeah. And and that's money that's owed to you. That's owed to your family. So very important to actually move quickly on these things, not to wait. What if you're partially at fault? Well, if you're partially at fault, it doesn't mean you don't get any compensation. The law allows you to to still make that claim. And oftentimes, I I have claims, whether it's... uh, uh, you know, somebody who went on a, on a, on a yellow light or, right. or someone who went through a stop sign and, you know, there's arguments as to who's at fault. It's not always black and white. Even in a case where somebody rear-ended you doesn't mean necessarily that that person is 100% at fault. You know, one of the first shows we did, John, I said that one of my pet peeves, especially when I go on the, on the highway, and it happens People to every brakes? <clears throat> no, no, it, that's... <laughs> One of my pet peeves is that somebody's following me too closely. Right. Now, everyone who is, who's listening now is going to be uh, identifying with that because, yeah. you know, you really get pissed off, yeah. right? I mean, how dare they? And so what do most people do as a knee-jerk reaction? Brakes. You hit the brakes. Yeah. Well, guess what? If you did that, other than the fact that you're putting yourself and everyone in your car and in the other car and God knows how many other cars in, in harm's way, uh, if there is an accident and there are injuries, you are going to be held partially at fault. Okay, and think about it. That makes sense. Sure, the guy behind you was at fault for for following too close. Following too closely, but why? Why would you slam on the brakes? I mean, listen, I've been guilty of that as well. I I don't do that now. I simply go to another lane, or I slow down, or I do whatever. But very, very important people to understand that it's not always a black and white issue. And so, even if you think that you are at fault or partially at fault, it doesn't mean that you don't get compensation. It just means that your compensation. Uh, it may be uh, you'd have to negotiate some kind of, of a reduction uh, okay. for the fact that there was contributory negligence on I one see. of the parties. Okay. What if I uh, – we'll we've got about a minute till we go. Let me ask you this one. What if I'm a passenger in your car? What if I'm related to you and I'm a passenger in your car? Then what happens? Well, if I was at fault for the accident and you're injured, you should be making a claim against me because at the end of the day, it's my insurance company that's going to be responding to you. Keep in mind, this is very important for people to understand. When I'm telling people that they can make a claim for compensation, I'm not telling you that you're getting something for nothing. It's not as though you're you're playing the system. You're not. The system is there uh, to protect you, to provide a safety net. And so if if you're uh, related to me, you're my brother or, you know, my wife, my child, somebody's in the car with me and it's my fault for getting into an accident, they have a claim against me. Of course, my insurance company is going to end up paying Absolutely. And listen, a lot of people choose just because of that, just conceptually. They don't like the idea of making a claim against Suing your husband yeah, or but, going but, after your husband's insurance, right? Yeah. Right. But John, but what are you in a situation where because of me, you're my brother, but because of me, you can't work now. 
you, you, you could be entitled to hundreds of thousands, if not millions of dollars of, of, of damages. Right. What, you're not going to make a claim just on principle? You got it. It's my insurance company that's going to deal with it, and that's why we have insurance. 416-870-6400, star 640 on cell, Savan at theinsurancelawyer.ca, or help at theinsurancelawyer.ca, and his number anytime, 416-216-5910. Insurance and Injury Law Show. Coming up, more of it on Talk Radio AM 640. Get to some more business here in our last uh, few minutes. Uh, 416-216-5910 is Savannah's number. want to get into uh, something we've, we've talked about in other shows. That is uh, compensation for out-of-pocket uh, expenses. So uh, if an injured person needs to do things around the house, like uh, install guardrails because he or she can't walk outside with them, uh, can they claim that as part of out-of-pocket? That's an excellent question. You? Yeah, and, and in fact, uh, I, I actually have a, uh, a case right now where uh, it's actually somebody that I've known uh, many years ago, um, and, and somebody who uh, who slipped and fall, uh, fell, fall, and and fell and and broke his ankle, very serious injury, uh, and and um, he was just emailing me actually this week, and he was asking me whether or not uh, he would be able to claim uh, for for certain things around the home. So, mm-hmm. for example, he's installing guardrails uh, around the uh, the entrance because he has difficulty coming in and out. Yep. And and you know my my response was absolutely you can make that uh, as 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 part of the out of uh, pocket claim uh, that you can advance, uh, and 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 so then the question became well you know what constitute a, a legitimate out of pocket right. expense right so so the kind of things that we're looking at that we can we can advance as against the other side so that the insurance company will then pay for uh, include uh, yard work as an example if you're injured and you can't cut your grass and you have to hire someone to do it or even a neighbor that agrees to do it as long as you have something in writing that says uh, you know here's what I'm doing and here's uh, for how much and 20 here's bucks a, log. a week to do exactly uh, cleaning your home uh, shoveling your your snow uh, so house maintenance e- even taking you to shop groceries because you have a fear of driving after a car accident whatever that is as long as it's legitimate as long as uh, you know the person who's helping you uh, is 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 willing to uh, you know to agree to be called upon if somebody calls them uh, you know to verify mm-hmm. then absolutely you can you can make that uh, claim uh, so very very important now one of the questions that this gentleman asked me uh, as as you know a, a, a out of pocket expense that you know could he potentially uh, claim was uh, increased uh, TV programming because of insomnia now that's a good question because I believe him actually. I know this guy really, really well. So I do believe that as a result of the injury and the fact that he can't, uh, you know, he can't sleep. I mean, you know, he needs more channels at home. And and you know, my response was, look, at the end of the day, uh, if it's legitimate expense, we can advance it. But I can tell you that the insurance company is going to be very skeptical of it. You so think? the likelihood, right, so the likelihood of them uh, reimbursing you for that is fairly low. But again, the the cardinal rule here is that. If the extra expense that you are incurring uh, by paying someone for various things or, or for doing things around the home, modifications and whatnot, if those are legitimate and they flow from the injury, from the disability, then those are claimable, okay, so long as you have a claim against someone who's at fault. So in his case, he, he slipped and fell in a parking lot. It's the owners of the property and the winter maintenance people. Their insurance companies are going to be responding here. So for out-of-pocket expenses, as long as you can show that the expenses you've incurred 
uh, are verifiable, they're legitimate, they flow from the injury or disability, you can make that claim. Can you go, can you put it on lists, you know, don't ask, don't get type of thing? Or can yes. you just not be silly? Like, you know, Savannah, I, I had it hinged, and, you know, before my accident, I had 5.1 surround, but now I need 7.1 <laughs> because, you know, my hearing's not like it was. I right. mean, come on. You no, know? you can, listen, you can take it as far as you want. At the end of right. the day, it, there, is a, there is a credibility issue here as well. I mean, you know, it, it's, it's like, it's like if, if you have a, a house fire and, and you're telling the insurance company that you had 10 Picassos in your basement. I mean, you know, at the end of the day, even if you had them, you're going to have difficulty proving it unless, you know, you <laughs> have sure. the evidence. Uh, but it, it comes down to common sense. Okay. Uh, insurance companies are sophisticated. The adjusters there are very knowledgeable. Uh, they're usually very experienced, depending on the insurance company. But generally speaking, they know what they're doing. And, and so, you, you, you know, you want to make sure that, uh, that you're ac- actually claiming for many uh, expenses uh, that you're incurring th- that, uh, that flow from the injury. In fact, that's one of the... One of the things that I used to see when I was doing insurance defense work, when I was working for insurance companies, is I would see fairly large claims, mm-hmm. and, and the lawyers representing the individuals who were injured were actually not advancing anything under that head of damage. So, you know, I, I knew that a particular individual, for example, went to see the doctors, uh, a variety of specialists, you know, several times a month, and it was downtown Toronto, and that person was from Barrie. I can guarantee you that there were parking receipts that were piled up. Big time. Uh, and I know that because I had an opportunity to ask questions of that individual, and he told me that he was, he was incurring all these charges, and yet his lawyer was not advancing that claim on his behalf. So again, you want to make sure that if you're in a situation where you have a claim that's going, that's ongoing, and you have a, you have a lawyer or a paralegal or someone, you want to make sure that if you're incurring out-of-pocket expenses for prescriptions, for modifications to your home, for all that kind of stuff, you're keeping the receipts, you're keeping a log, you're making sure you're providing that to your lawyer or paralegal so that they can advance that. Does it take longer? Are they Where in the pecking order would these expenses be covered? Are they the first thing to get covered, the last thing on the list? It's part of the settlement when there is a settlement okay. at the end. I mean, if, if, you know, if there is a settlement, in fact, then it's, it's just part of the package. So when we go to a mediation, for example, I had a mediation uh, a couple of weeks ago uh, that was fairly significant. There was a section within my brief where I actually talked about specifically the out-of-pocket expenses. So again, very, very important to make sure that we cover all that because that's money that the client has owed. We've got about a minute left. Take it home. What should people know before they uh, sign out today? Well, what they should know is that if, if you're in a situation where you have questions about uh, anything to do with personal injury, really, car accidents, uh, slip and falls, or, or, you know, insurance disputes, I get those on a regular basis too, you know, for uh, home insurance, uh, travel insurance, all these kinds of things where, where somebody, when you're incurring something, insurance company says, we're not going to pay you for whatever reason, give us a call, cost nothing to talk. Uh, you're, at the very least, you're going to be more knowledgeable after that conversation. You're going to know what your options are, and you're going to know how to proceed. So do that, and uh, you know the rest is, is up to you. In the meantime, there's a couple of different ways you can ask questions, mydisabilityquestions.com or myaccidentquestions.com. And to get hold of Savannah outside of show hours, uh, like now, help at theinsurancelawyer.ca and his direct number, 416-216-5910. This has been the Insurance and Injury Law Show right here on Talk Radio AM 640.